Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a a statement 6-1 win at home against Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, yeah, I think we all expected that. And I say that with a lot of sarcasm. Going into this one, I thought maybe we'd be lucky to scrape another 2-1 win because that seems to be a thing for Villa with Brighton. We are their bogey team looking at history. It sure doesn't feel like it, but that's actually a thing. So realistically, I thought I would take a draw in this one. Um, a 6-1 win. Um, I mean, there's a lot to dissect in this one and we'll get through it as quickly as possible. But of course, joining me is the ever so wise and ever so present Simon O'Regan. So Simon, how's it going for you, my friend? Very well, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, it's difficult to, to not be in a good mood after that result yesterday. Um, absolutely unbelievable um, performance up in a park from the boys. I don't think anyone saw a result like that coming, did they? <laughs> I, I'm still kind of confused and not wondering how this even happened. Do you think this is more, well, okay, I don't think it's more astounding than the Liverpool result, but where would you rank that in terms of, say, this game, the Newcastle one last season, the crazy Liverpool results? a uh, few seasons back. I mean, there's been some crazy results, but w- where does this rank in your memory? Um, I mean, well, certainly, obviously, in recent memory, it's, it's, it's way up there. I mean, the the Liverpool one, this, it's kind of hard to compare anything with that because, obviously, it was behind closed doors as well, wasn't it? And it's just sort of one of those, like, I mean, a great performance. It was one of those sort of fr- just free results that you get, whereas you look at that Newcastle win last season, that, that still, for me, is the most 90-minute, complete performance I've, I can remember ever seeing from a team uh, from a Villa team at Villa Park um, but that, that result yesterday uh, I think considering you know Brighton are a really really good team and they're going to you know, be challenging up and around sort of the top five or six again this season you'd assume so to go to not 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 to just beat them but to absolutely you know <laughs> annihilate them the way that we did it was um yeah, he's one of one of the best performances I've I've seen for a long, long time. Absolutely. I know we were talking pre-recording about the first half matching or being very similar to the Newcastle result last season at home. Do you think the, the overall performance is pretty similar to that one? I know we did concede a goal. We didn't in that one. But, I mean, on an overall basis in terms of just overall play, would you say yeah. they're pretty comparable? Uh, yeah, 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 I'd say that they're pretty similar. I, I think... I'd, I'd say that the Newcastle one still probably tops it just because I think for the first five to ten minutes of both halves, I think Brighton started reasonably well actually yesterday in, in both halves. Whereas, you know, you see that Newcastle game, I think Watkins hit the post after about 20 seconds. So, I mean, that was literally from, from you know, the, the first whistle uh, to the end that we had completely dominated that one. Whereas, to be fair, Brighton had at least a five to ten minute spell in each half that where they look like they they may cause us a few problems. So even though we obviously got more goals 
yesterday, I'd still probably put that Newcastle one just slightly ahead. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they didn't even have a sniff of it last season. I mean, fair play to Brighton. They did start um, as the better side on Saturday. Um, But all in all, when you sit back and you look at it, I mean, it was just every single time Villa got the ball, they couldn't handle us overloading them on the counter. Uh, Watkins and Diaby truly lived up to the title of Speed Demons yesterday. And they absolutely <sighs> torched them. A uh, little concerned that Diaby came off a little bit hobbled off. He walked off in his own power. So hopefully that doesn't mean anything. And it's just a, a little uh, strain until the next game because Christ, we don't need another injury for, I, I don't want to trade Ramsey for losing Diaby at this moment. Let's just start <laughs> gaining some players back and not just balancing them out with gaining one and losing one. We'll, we'll have to uh, wait and see and hopefully not jinx that. But to run through the goal scorers on this one, of course, Ollie Watkins got a hat trick scoring the 14th, 21st and 60. Fifth minute that was assisted by Cash for the first one, uh, Diaby on the second, um, and uh, Super John McGinn on the third. Diaby, of course, got um, I don't know why in FPL apparently he got an assist on the Estepinian own goal. I didn't know that's a thing, um, just an FPL because it's not jotted down in any official stat record, but fair <laughs> enough. That came in the 26th minute. Jacob Ramsey gets laid off by Ollie Watkins, curls it neatly off the post. If you're going to give anyone like him that much time, he's going to punish you, and he surely did to make it 5-0 in the 85th minute. And then, I mean, Dougie Louise just wanted to get in on the action, as Dougie Louise does at Villa Park, and we'll, we'll get to that stat here in probably just a little bit, which is ridiculous considering he, how deep he plays. But, of course, Watkins gets in on the break. Clear through, to be honest, I kind of thought he should have done a little bit better, but fair play to Jason Steele for the save. Of course, it bounces all the way back out to Ollie, or not Ollie Watkins, Dougie Louise, and Dougie just literally passes it into the net. Steele falls over, he looks defeated, and it's a lovely day at the office. But all in all, I think the one thing we have to start with here, Simon, is, I mean, three goals in the first half in 12 minutes. I mean... It was one of those things where you needed to grab a gif of probably like a Ron Burgundy gift or something thinking, wow, that escalated quickly because it it surely (laughs) did, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, I actually thought Brighton started the game reasonably well, not, you know, particularly threatening or looking, you know, dangerous. But they, I I didn't think that it wasn't like we we come out straight away looking like we're going to batter them or anything. I thought he was, he was looking like a shape up to be a decent game. But then just before we got the goal, I, I think you could see that we were starting to sort of gain a foothold in the game and, you know, we were, we were sort of getting into positions where we could do something. And then, you know, the, the first goal, such a beautiful work goal. The ball from McGinn down to Matty Cash was just unbelievable. And then, you know, great ball uh, across the face of goal. And was it... The, the Crystal Palace game of the week, wasn't it? The first half where Cash whipped one similar to that and Watkins just didn't quite get on the end of it. And yeah. you can see, obviously, you know, with his goal last week, it's just, you knew that he was going to go on a run, didn't you, really? And he gets himself in the position to to stick it away nicely where, where you want your centre-forward to be, you know, getting on the end of those things in the, cent- in the um, six-yard box. And then from that moment, yeah, it just... We just went nuts, didn't we? I mean, the, the second goal, again, you know, really quick counter-attack. We we did that so well yesterday. And I, I, I think I, I read some article the other day that I read about the amount of um, 
counter-attack goals and chances that we create on the counter-attack. I think like we're, we're like the highest in the league or something like that. Like it's, it's something that we do really, really well. And, and which is what I showed you the second goal. I mean, you, there was a split second where you kind of thought, oh, that's, that's the chance gone. But just the confidence that Watkins is in now, you know, he obviously he sticks it away. What what I would say about that second goal, I if I was a Brighton fan, I'd be annoyed that that's not given offside for Zaniolo. Um, what I would to, to counteract that from a Villa point of view, I don't. When we lost to Liverpool um, a few weeks ago, their first goal shouldn't have counted because Salah did exactly the same thing that Zaniolo did. So you know we we've got one back from that. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. And then the, the third one. I mean, you could maybe argue Diaby should have stuck it away himself, but at least you know he reacted brilliantly to um to, to you know get get the ball back in again and obviously get a bit of fortune with the own goal. But yeah, to go three up in you know those three goals in such quick succession, I don't think I just don't think Brighton knew what hit them, and it was it was great to see similar to like the Palace game actually in a way that once we got the one goal, we sort of. You could you could see the fear in the opposition, and they rather than sitting back and thinking, right, we've got one here, it was like, right, you know, full throttle. Let's let's really go at them, and it was just brilliant to see in that first half. And to be honest, I think you know we've we probably could have got four or five in that first half. Like no, not necessarily in terms of like real clear cut big chances that we missed or anything, but we we got ourselves into a lot of good attacking positions and met, you know a couple of times fired the ball just didn't. No, quite take off, but I, I thought we were just outstanding in that first half. Well, it's just, it's crazy to think about because I think a lot of fans went into this game, Simon, thinking it's going to go one way or the other. And I mean, I think John McGinn even said that post match in a presser too, saying with the team talks and the pre match prep, I mean, this game could be heavily wagered to us or favored to them, considering how they're going to set up. And I, I kind of felt like, how Villa reacted to this game was kind of a mix of how Una Emery set us up in the early days and kind of slowly introducing his, putting his stamp on things, I guess you could say, and then mixed in a little bit of how we're playing this season. And what I mean by that is Brighton took all the possession they wanted. Villa didn't care. They were nice, tight, and compact. Every single mistake that they made lacks days like passing the ball because there was quite a few times. Villa just picked them off. And the one thing I liked about that, it wasn't just picking them off and then running and hoping something happened. It was quick, intricate plays after. I don't know how many times I would see, uh, we'll say McGinn picks it off. He drops it back. Kamara overlaps somebody else. Diaby overlaps somebody else. It was just literally crosses everywhere. And the Brighton defense couldn't do anything with it because they couldn't track the man. Watkins would end up on the right when he should be on the left. Diaby, vice versa. They were just running them ragged. And I think that was those tight little intricate moments were what made it. I mean, it's so nice to see Villa actually do that because when I think of classic Villa counterattacking, I, I don't have much of that. I think of Andy Byman and Gabon Lahore hopefully getting it all the way up the pitch and not screwing it up and then Menteke doing the rest. But when I say Gabon Lahore and Byman doing something, then basically just running in a straight line and then crossing <laughs> it. So to see this, it's just, I mean, it's absolutely 
unreal. And um, I mean, we might as well talk about the main man, of course, Ollie Watkins, a hat trick and an assist, of course, like we said on Saturday, that's four goals in two games and an assist we have to add as well. I mean, the the uh, early season concerns over Watkins <laughs> in the Premier League, we have to preface that because, of course, he did score a hat trick against Hibbs in the um, playoff qualifiers. Um, I mean, the worries are gone now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it was always, I, I think, you know, there's the frustrations, obviously, with, with some of the chances that he missed. But it's, it's, uh, it was just a case of once he gets that first one, you just know he's going to go on a run. I mean, the, the, the Friday before the Chelsea game, I, t- I took him out of my fantasy team and I did so knowing full well that he was going to score against Chelsea. So I, I did that for the great good, really, for, for the uh, for the sanity of all the Villa fans. And then, yeah, once he got that that one against Chelsea last week, you know, I just I knew full well that he was he was going to get back on the score sheet again yesterday. And you know, I've, I've no doubt he'll score against Wolves next weekend as well in in the league. He's um, yeah, when when he's when when he's in that confident mood and and he's he's on form and he's in one of these sort of um, goal scoring streaks, he's just it seems like everything he hits goes in. I mean, you look at his third goal two weeks ago, that doesn't loop up into the back of the net off that deflection, does it? So I mean, it's it's just one of those things that happens with strikers <clears throat> when you're on, you're on, and, and everything seems to go for you. I mean, he, even the second goal. He doesn't really hit it that sort of cleanly, does he? Like sort of just sort of trickles in a way into that near post, but it's 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 great to see. And I I think like we were chatting um, after the game. Like there, there could be an, an element of you know right this, the first couple of weeks of the season, you kind of thought well, there's no real pressure on his position, but the start Durant's made to the season, you know that. There's obviously not a an equivalent type of alternative option on the bench, but there is an alternative option now of a player who can score goals. You know, he's 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 already got a few this season, Duran. So maybe you know that's kind of helped as well. Just spark Watkins a little bit. You know, there's thinking, God, I have actually, I've got, I've got to start performing soon, <laughs> otherwise I could find myself out of the team. So it's a uh, yeah, it's great for us, and the you know the the sort of relationship that he's building with DRB is, is, is pretty good as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, happy days just, just to keep this going. It was, it's interesting to see uh, Gareth Southgate was at the game. Um, you know, he, he came on the big screen and there was, there was a number of boos flying about. So, it'd be, uh, be interesting the, the next England squad where I'm sure Lewis Dunk will be in there once again. <laughs> and and, and Esri Conzo will be nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
<laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I know it's one game, but the fact that you're going to watch, it's going to happen. Like the fact that you're watching one of your center backs concede six where the other ones barely conceded any in literally recent memory, aside from two games really this season. It's it's mental, but anyways, we don't need to go into <laughs> yeah, that discussion. No. <laughs> but the, the the funny thing about this is, like, I, I mean, with Ollie Watkins, you just never know. But we all know he's a confident striker, as many are. But I completely forgot his record against Brighton. I think he scored in. I think this is his fourth game in a row. He scored against yeah. Brighton. I think prior it was obviously three, um, which I didn't even think about for some reason. And if I would have known that stat, then maybe I would have even went it with more confidence prior to this, prior to him scoring. But it's just, it's one of those things with Ollie that once he gets one, you know, he's going to get more. Like there's a few instances where he could have passed the ball and he went for the effort that went just wide. I think of the right hand post in the first half, that strikers on confidence. They want to take more risk. And th- and that's what we need. Essentially. The thing that I like the most is that link up with the obby, because I think a lot of, people were thinking kind of earlier on in the season that this could take a while to gel. But the fact that this is gelling this quickly is probably one of the best things ever. Cause like I've said before, I feel like this is what we were hoping Leon Bailey might become with Ollie Watkins. Mm. Uh, we had to spend a little bit more cash <laughs> to get what actually um, worked in the long term. But I mean, probably the best duo we've had since when Simon, I, like I can't even think of it. It's, it's oh, a close. <laughs> Oh God! Um, God, you're probably going back to Carew and Agbonle, aren't you? In the the Martin O'Neill days, really? Um, yeah, the, the, I mean the, the two of them, they, they 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 both got like similar qualities in certain aspects in terms of you think like the pace and like the running in behind. But I think they do complement each other really well. I think DRB is so good on the ball. Um, you know, his dribbling is brilliant and he, he just, he, the positions he picks up are so clever as well. It's, it's so difficult for opposition players to, to really stop him because he, he's very good at sort of getting into those like little pockets of space. And then when he gets the ball, he, he you know, he can do something with it. He, he, he kind of, his, his decision-making is really good as well. And, you know, he's, when you see for the second ball, the uh, second goal yesterday, he gets, the ball that he, he plays through to Watkins, as soon as that gets to, to, as soon as Diaby gets on the ball, Watkins is already gone because he and he, he knows that Diaby's got that quality to find him as well. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really really you know good and impressive to see, like you say, just how quickly they kind of gelled already. You, you sort of hoping as the season goes on that that sort of relationship will get even better, and then it helps as well when when you've got the, the midfield behind them. Who are, who were like so on it yesterday. I mean, you know, we could, we could, we could talk about the majority of them really. I mean, John McGinn had that kind of, that look in his eye that he has some games where, where he just charges at everyone and chases everything down and, but actually has like quality on the ball as well when he gets it. And the, you know, the, the central midfield, Kamara and Louise, I, I thought, I thought Kamara was, after a really good game at Chelsea again last week, and like that, before that that game last weekend, he looked like he was sort of back to his best, and he carried it on this week. and And him and Louise once again, I, I thought controlled that midfield, and it, I thought it was it was a really impressive the way they did it as well. So I was looking at um, the stats after the game, and I was kind of surprised to see that I think Brighton it was like sixty two percent possession Brighton had, but it 
it really didn't feel like that in the game. Like, it, it, it felt like we were in just total control of that. And, but it was, it was controlled in a way, obviously, that allowed Brighton to have possession up to a certain point. And then once they reached a certain area on the pitch, the press, uh, you know, we, we would press at them and, and they just couldn't really cope with it. It was, I thought it was such a, a controlled performance from that midfield that, 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 you know, ended up dominating the winning the game for us, really. I think it's one of those things where you sit back and you look at it and it, it just shows that possession doesn't mean anything really. Like mm. I, to be honest, I don't really remember anything super memorable that Brighton did in possession aside from a, a few quick flash chances. Like statistically, you're right. 62% possession for them, 38 to Villa. Uh, we had 19 shot attempts with nine on target. They had 11 shot attempts with three. I don't even remember them having 11 shot attempts. Um, that it's just one of those things where half of them were probably meaningless and just more kind of hit and hope. Um, we had one corner to their three. We had 19 fouls to their 21. It was pretty physical at times. And we'll get to that in just a little bit as well. But just back to Watkins, uh, very quickly, I just found a few stats. Uh, three goals, one assist, five chances created, which was the most, uh, 0.73 XG, 41 touches, four duels, one, three recoveries, two successful dribbles, a 9.8, uh, foot mob rating, uh, that by ABFC Stato. So thank you, Stato, for that stat. I mean, just really to sum it up, it, it, it is crazy. And I think there was a stat here as well that I saw yesterday about the last four Premier League hat tricks. So quiz time. Simon, mm. what were Villa's last four Premier League hat tricks? Is, is that including yesterday's? Including yesterday. That? Okay, yes, yes. You got obviously the, the Watkins yesterday, his hat trick against Liverpool. Oh Christ! And then I'm um, struggling. You could probably <laughs> you could probably get the player for the the previous two. Uh, ben Seke? Yes. Both yeah. of them. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do you want to take a swing at which teams he did those against? QPR would be one. Yep. Uh, Norwich. Uh, Sunderland. I think of the one we. I oh, think we won God. like five or six one or whatever. It was. Six one. Yeah. God, yeah. That was like twelve, eleven, ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yes. <laughs> God Almighty. <laughs> So when you when you look at uh, Premier League hat tricks, I mean, keep in mind we're in a different division. We didn't have one, so we had a two year span between Benteke's two, a five year between Ollie Watkins's, and then another three. So we don't do it very often. I mean, most teams probably don't, unless you have like a a Holland or something like yeah. that. Um, we have the Torquay Holland, but regardless <laughs> of that, that's that's really all that matters. Um, I mean, another good quick talking point here. Simon, I mean, Brighton, of course, they did pull one back. Um, I'm still a little confused that how it was onside, even though we had a player off the pitch. I don't know how that counts as being onside still because they I used think, the... oh, sorry, yeah, so, that, so I, I was confused that. I, was, I saw something yesterday. That that's a relatively new rule that if a player is off the pitch like that, they're onside because I think he was brought in to stop uh, defending teams feigning injury. In the case um, like that, yeah. There's so many new rules that they don't tell anybody. I know, about. yeah. And then they bring yeah. it back and they're like, oh, this has been established on August 9th. It's like, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just, just, just quickly on that point, though, I I thought it was, you know, you, you had the first four goals in that game, R3 and Brighton's, all had lengthy VAR checks. And, and, and other than 
the second one, which I think we got away with with the Zaniolo. I can't understand what they were even checking for the others. Like, why that spent so long checking them? Like, Cash was clearly on sides. Uh, they, if they had known, I'm assuming you'd like to think the referees know the rules. So Brighton's one, they shouldn't have really had to look too much on that. And uh, the Villa third one, they were looking at a Louise foul on Solly March. It's absolute bollocks. It's like, Luis is falling to the ground and he barely touches March. You, you, the way he arched his back and launched himself to the ground is embarrassing. So it's, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's just, that's another debate which we could go on for about, for bloody hour, the use of VAR, especially some of the other things this weekend. But, uh, yeah, so we'll leave that. But yeah, I just thought it was ridiculous, like the, how length, how long they took with those decisions. Well, exactly. I mean, they took. I mean, I mean, at least I guess they were doing their jobs with our game. They didn't really seem to be doing that with the Spurs Liverpool game. But anyways, <laughs> we don't need to discuss that because that that just opens up a wider <laughs> debate that doesn't relate to this podcast. But I mean, of course, they did score. Ansu Fati getting one. Uh, Villa did fall asleep um, defensively, and we all kind of knew that the next goal was going to be massive. They get a second. Yeah. We're on the back foot. There's a lot of pressure, and a lot of people could probably see as conceding a third. And who knows from there? Because, I mean, historically, Villa do fall apart when things like these ha- things happen. But, I mean, we didn't have to worry about that because, of course, a fourth goal did come and it was really over from there. I, I think what I'm really getting at with that is Villa reacting in the right way, being pragmatic, yeah. being hard to break down. It wasn't It wasn't the old Villa of, oh, my God, they've scored one. We still have a two-goal lead, thank God, but we're going to panic and internally combust there was okay just I, I don't know it was almost just a kind of okay we've messed up once let's move on let's go from there kind of approach and I mean we didn't really change the way we played which I liked because I thought as soon as we conceded we'd really tighten it up and be a little mm. bit shaky start clearing it giving them more possession but it was just more from the first half after that wasn't it yeah I mean like, I mean you know like I said earlier I, I thought for Brighton obviously the second half, they they started the better team, which which you would expect. You know, they'd obviously been embarrassed in that first half. They made three changes. You knew they were going to come out, and obviously they pulled that goal back. And you know, for the next few minutes, they were they were on top, like you'd expect. You know, it, it's it's very rare that you'll dominate a game for ninety minutes, especially against good football teams. You knew they were going to have a spell, and it was it was important that you know we didn't do anything silly, didn't panic, like you say. And then the timing of that fourth goal was was so key because you know had 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 Brighton pulled the second back, you, you, there, there would probably be maybe not necessarily in the pitch, but certainly in the stands, there'd be there'd be a bit of nerves flying around. And then you'd think, okay, they they, they might sort of retreating back a bit, but the fact they kind of like you know weathered that sort of spread of pressure that they were put under, and then it was another kind of. Quick transitional counter attack goal, really. Obviously, you know, McGinn sort of drives at them, and I mean, it was, it was really poor defending from a Brighton point of view. They, they kind of all their players sort of flooded over towards McGinn and just left Watkins sort of in, in a decent amount of space. And the ball, you know, beautiful ball clips over. I actually thought he was going to take it first time on the volley, and you know, and obviously, he does well to, to bring it down. And, and uh, you know, cut in and got a bit of luck, but you, with the deflection, but you kind of make your own luck, really. And like you say, once once that fourth goal went in, then it just 
I think it, it just it killed any sort of momentum that Bright was starting to build up. And I think it kind of just calmed any tension amongst the crowd as well. Not, not, not that, I mean, there wasn't any in the ground, but you, you, there was like a feeling that Brighton were, you know, they, you could see they had their tails up. And you're thinking, well, this could be, you know, a bit more of a testing last 25 minutes, half hour than we were expecting. But as soon as the fourth went in, I think everyone in the ground knew, okay, well, this is game over. Now we, we can relax and, and enjoy the remainder of the game. And yeah, it was, it was, it was, Really good, like you say, that we didn't sort of uh, change our approach to the game. We, we kept going, got the fourth. And then even after that, to keep on going as well, <laughs> you know, add a couple more. So it was a um, yeah, really, really, really strong performance. Well, the fact that, well, of course, Brighton just kind of put their tails down and accepted defeat at this point. Of course, like I said before, Jacob Ramsey getting the fifth. I mean, it was one hell of a hit, but if you're going to give someone like him that much time, it's going to happen. Doug Louise getting the sixth. I think at the at the point where it's six, I'm going just, I, I know there's no time left, but just score a seven so we can say <laughs> it can be everyone's um, kind of social media, I don't know, clickbait title or something that you can put. It's 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 been a, a few years since that's happened, of course. We, we've come very close to that scoreline now, but I mean, it's just, it, it's a very, very positive way to react. And I mean, I feel like the sixth goal for me from Louise just really says it all. And it's, I don't know, you could have kind of wrote it out through the rest of added time with there being what, seven or eight minutes could have just kind of let the ball do what it really wants and play around and not really have to worry about it. But to, playing Watkins ruthlessly and go for that sixth. I mean, you can tell there's a lot of pride in this team this year, and that's one amazing thing to see. But, of course, there was a stat with Dougie Louise as well, and, I mean, it's one hell of a stat considering yeah. who he's, he's accompanying in this stat. So he scored, of course, let's see here. Um, Dougie Louise today has become the second, um, or yesterday, I should say, the second Aston Villa player to score in five successive Premier League home matches, matching Dwight York which was in, uh, I think, December of 96. Um, so he scored against Tottenham, Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace, and Brighton again, all at Villa Park. Um, I mean, coming from a defensive midfielder who can, of course, advance in times like proven yesterday. I mean, Simon, that's mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a bit, I, was, I was surprised when, when I saw that one. Obviously, there's, there's a, you know, a couple of couple of penalties in there as well, which... Which really helps with that. And I think there's a the free kick against Spurs as well, wasn't there? So, you know, it's a few dead balls, but it, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an impressive start. And it just, I mean, the, the finish, it was like, it's a, it, it's a relatively simple finish, but it's just how calmly and like almost arrogantly he just like strokes the ball into the back of the net. You know, he, a lot of players might have put their foot through that there but it was just like nah I just need to roll this in and, and it'll be fine and I was I was delighted uh, that they managed to get that because I just honestly I, I I can't every week I, I think this season pretty much I've, when I've come on here I just I can't stop talking about how much I love that guy he, he's such an unbelievably good footballer I, I think it's it's incredible how underrated he is from opposition fans outside of Villa Park. Uh, honestly, uh, the way he controls that midfield, he can his his ability on the ball, his his range of passing and choice of passing, 
such a wonderful football and with Kamara now looking back to his best I don't think there's many better central midfield partnerships in the Premier League like, I genuinely don't I, I think I think the two of them could play for pretty much anyone in that league and I'm just it's, it's, I'm so grateful that we've got them playing at Villa Park every week it's, yeah Louise is just an unbelievable footballer how many times, Simon, on this podcast when we were struggling to stay in this league where we think, oh my God, we just need one good defensive midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we need to enjoy it while it lasts and hopefully it lasts a very long time, to be honest, because I'm I'm getting very used to this and, and it's very yeah. fun. This is this is un, unbound territories for me. Yeah, I'm getting very excited. So usually this doesn't happen, and I'm used to absolute crap. But regardless of that, I mean, here's a bit of an odd question: Ansu Fati or versus Ezri Konza, who wins in a fight? <laughs> Ezri all day long. <laughs> it looked like he was holding him by the scruff of the neck, like a like a poor child that just like stole stole something from his grocery bag or something like that. He looks absolutely it, terrified. Yeah, to be honest, I I haven't I haven't seen it back. Like, I, I just like saw what, what well, I say what happened on the pitch. Like you kind of I didn't really see what what caused it, but then you know, I saw obviously saw Conza pushing him away, and at that stage I I was a little bit nervous. I thought he's Conza's already on a yellow a yellow card that he should never receive. By the way, it was ridiculous booking that he got. But I, I wonder, had he not been on the yellow card already, whether he would have got one for his role in that. Because it's rare that you get away with, with pushing the player, regardless of of the uh, the reason for doing that. But um, yeah, it was a it was a strange incident. So that was handled strangely by a referee who I thought had a very strange game, shall we say? Well, he wasn't giving anything to Villa at the start, and then uh, it just quickly changed for some reason. I don't know. But I, I couldn't believe the amount of bookings we got for like I, I can't really remember anything that we really particularly deserved. It. I think there, there was there's one Luca Dean I think had one where it was like a definite yellow card. But like I, I think like Louise got a yellow card for for something that you kind of thought okay that's a bit odd. And then Brighton players were getting away with doing the exact same fouls and like. No punishment. I, I just I thought it was a really, really strange performance, and it's something that you know when if you lose a game and fans sort of moan about the ref, you kind of think, ah, oh, it's just sour grapes. You know, we won six one, so there's no reason for me to say this. I thought the referee was really, really poor yesterday. Again, the standing of officiating, but you know, we won't go into that because again, that's another topic. Like VAR, we could be here for a long, long time, but. I, the standard of, of officiating this season, I think, has been really, really poor. And there's just another one yesterday. Am I missing something? Or did Luca Dean get another, like, bloody mouth or something yesterday? Or is that just etched into my mind from Chelsea? Uh, I feel like he I'm got elbowed sure. again or something. I don't know. He might well have done. Maybe I just saw a tweet referencing that or something. But I'm thinking, holy Jesus, what does this <laughs> league have for him? But regardless, he's going to have to wear a face mask or something at some point, if that is the case. <laughs> But no, with with that whole kick out thing, I mean the fact that uh, Fatty did kick out. I, I, what a interesting yeah. last name, anyways. I feel like I have to say his whole name, where it has no context. I'm, I'm just calling someone fat. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know to kick out. I understand the yellow for that. Um, I, I kind of like that he didn't give Konza a second yellow there. Yeah, it's like I I know it's not really 
justified to hold someone by the scruff of their neck and then push them away. But at the end of the day, I kind of like that because it didn't ruin momentum. It just lets the game kind of play out. And it's also kind of an equalizer. It's like, well, he's really done nothing to you. You have to stand up for yourself at some point. So I I like that that part of the game didn't really get ruined because, I mean, we've seen so many times in the past where the ref wants to be the center of attention and really take over. But um, regardless of that, let's get over to the three word reviews now. And then we'll before before we do that. Are we uh we're not going to discuss Jacob Ramsey and his goal? <laughs> I mean, we kind of we kind of chucked it in there, but I mean, if, if you want to discuss it for a, a brief moment, we can. So, <laughs> I, 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 just like I, I just think he 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 shows you know we, we've we, you know what we've kind of been missing this this not not missing this season because obviously you know we, we're what four fifth in the league, we won five of the seven games, but just that that extra elements that we've got with him coming back now from midfield, someone who's He's capable of you know, carrying the running with the ball at with pace and power, um, and and as that finishing capability, like it's 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 with him coming back. Hopefully, like Moreno will be back after the international break. You know, not that Luca Dean hasn't played well. You know, Luca Dean I think has had a really good season. But when you get Moreno back, you think him and Ramsey that adds a completely different element to our attack down that you know because they the the way that they combine with each other down that left. It's just going to... We've already had like a good start to the season in the league, certainly. Getting them two back. And, you know, I, God, God knows where we'll go from there. Like, you know, the, the improvement that's going to be into our game. And competition as well. You know, you've got... You then have Ramsey and Zaniolo sort of competing for position down the left as well. So that, that should bring the best out of them as well. So it's just... It's, it's good to see... Obviously, Ramsey came back against um, Chelsea and sort of, you know, showed signs that he's sort of getting back there. And obviously, he missed the, the defeat in midweek with the, with a little injury. And you kind of think, oh, God, like, please be okay. So, for him to, to, you know, get back on the pitch, gets, you know, a good run of minutes in his legs and, and come up with that goal as well. Beautiful finish. Um, I just thought he's brilliant. And sort of, it feels like he's back now with that first goal. Absolutely. I, I mean, it is good to get that confidence, regardless of when it came in the game, whether it was killed off. I think that does a lot for him. And I mean, he's been out for quite a while since, of course, the injury um, in the summer as well. So it is good. And I mean, it's it's crazy to think, too. Like you said, once Moreno comes back, we have a completely different left hand side, like rotation mm. on that side just becomes so much better. Like yeah. the fact that you can rotate between him and Zaniolo and hopefully... Um, whatever happens with Bailey, because who knows? I mean, it just it adds a whole new dimension, a dimension, I should say. And I mean, kind of thank God because I'm starting to feel bad for Luca Dean now because he's going to need a rest at some point. <laughs> yeah, because uh, John McGinn at left back midweek. Um, really, uh, no offense to John McGinn, but I think that really did say a lot <laughs> about where Villa are at uh, depth wise in some positions. But let's get over to the three word reviews now. Are, are we okay with that, Simon? Yeah, yes. Okay, there we go. Okay, there we go. I, 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 I knew I, I mentioned the, the Jacob Ramsey goal a little bit. I, I, I forgot to have your say, so my apologies on that. But of course, you can tweet us at seventy five hundred to hold post match. Usually, the tweet goes out uh, five to ten minutes after the final whistle, and you can have your three word review uh, read out on here. So, thank you to the nearly sixty people that did get involved. Uh, let's start with. Um, Woody Woodpecker pissed the league. Jethro Dahl says in a gif, pretty, pretty good. Um, one Aston Villa, a stunning performance. 
Um, let's see. Taylor says Unai Emery Masterclass. Um, Chris Perrin has a very long username. I'm not going to read the whole thing out because it actually, I can't because it won't let me. Um, says not too shabby. Uh, Robert Gibbons up the villa. Uh, villa fan Mike. Fuck. King Brilliant. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> one. Uh, watch hashtag Labor Files the Purge. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> interesting username. Uh, long Ball Merchant in brackets when needed. Uh, Jordy says keep him forever. That being Unai Emery. Bono says brilliant attacking football. Uh, Carlito Gomez shitting on seagulls. And in brackets, he puts ironic that. Uh, Russ Wilson, <laughs> ruthless resounding route. Um, Andy Villa, you've been emeried. Uh, Mr. Buddy, um, Emery the King. Um, I cannot read that one. I was just about to. Thank God I just had some sense into me. Um, let's go to Simon Palmer, stuff of dreams. Um, plus sized volleyball dad. Ollie was listening. Um, some of these nicknames, Jesus. Um, David Bladden, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. And let's do, uh, two more here. Um, Jason P, unbeatable at home, of course. 10 wins in the league on the bounce. And let's uh, finish with, let's see here, let's scroll all the way down. Um, I mean, this one has nothing to do with Bill, so we'll do two more. Um, we'll do um, Mike Roberts, Elite Emery Ball. We'll finish off with Bengals Draft Scout, Southgate, fuck off. <laughs> 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 There's also someone that didn't, I won't put his name out there just in case he doesn't want to be criticized. Actually, you know what, he's always interacting so Les Worrell he just says um this isn't a third or three word review he never really does one but he always puts the thoughts in it Southgate can take it up the arse well played Ollie <laughs> uh, so this one's gonna have to be explicit content podcast but um I, I did enjoy those when I, I first saw them come in there are some of the first tweets that came in but anyway Simon what's your three word review super Ollie Watkins yeah I, simple I, I, classic <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that is, and I'm going to go with an old-timey one. I was thinking of a um, a old podcast name, and I was thinking, have we done this yet? And it's going to be, this podcast will be labeled Two Seagulls Cry. And then I looked up Holtcast, and I'm thinking, have we used that name? And we used <laughs> Seagulls Cry in 2019. That's 2019. We were crap, and we were good that now, so I'm going <laughs> to um, slightly change the first word and no one will ever know the difference unless, unless you've gotten to this point in the podcast. But regardless of that, Simon, uh, who would your match ball slash man of the match go to for Saturday's amazing win? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the obvious one is Ollie Watkins and, and like that, that probably will be my choice because, you know, you score a hat trick in the Premier League and in a game you win 6 1, you've got an assist. I think you probably deserve it, but I think there were a few other kind. I thought John McGinn and Kamara were were very close candidates for me as well. Um, but you've got to go Watkins, haven't you? Yeah, I'm giving it to Watkins as well. Um, I, I do want to give a special mention to Musa Diaby because yeah, there was that. There was I think it was in the first half where he started out on the right and literally ran around their box and everyone was yelling shoot and he did. Yeah. and then he and then he basically ran the other way. It was just like watching a, a man against kids. It was like they just could not get the ball off him yesterday. Oh, he's I mean, unbelievable oh, footballer. He, he's he's so good. Just yeah, 
this team can stay forever at the same <laughs> I'm I'm so happy with like generally yeah but it has to be Watkins you get a, three goals and an assist if it's not Watkins then the fact that he only got a 8.97 um rating by the BBC is player of the match rating systems kind of oh, well, should be 10 out of I 10 mean, but anyways the, the the BBC their their lack of respect for Villa is unbelievable a match of the day when um when Ramsey scored, he the commentator said something like, "This is the first time Villa have scored five goals in in the league at Villa Park since they've since they've come back up." Like the seven two against Liverpool didn't happen, but you know that's that's uh, that's that's the match of the day for you. They they don't give a shit about Villa at no, all. They, they have to protect <laughs> fragile egos, apparently, because that's certainly the don't. only well, batters they don't do the research. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know anyone that works for the BBC, so we won't be rude. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, it, it, me and Simon will probably know that and what I'm saying there, but um, <laughs> other people might not. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, the last thing, Simon, I did want to quickly discuss, and then we'll get out of here because I know we're very short on time. Starport County, of course, Louis Berry has had a very, very successful loan spell there this season. Um, he's become a part of their history. So to read out the tweet, it says a place in Stockport County history, seven league games in a row, a new post-war club record in a single season. No stopping Louis Barry now. So, of course, seven games with seven goals in a row. It's League Two. I know he's only 20. I think it's important that people remember that he's only 20. He's had a few loan spells that have went pretty poorly. I think he was pretty good at Salford last year. I think some people are thinking he's found his level at League Two. And now people are eagerly hoping he makes a step up to to League One in January. But the reason I wanted to mention this is, for one, I want to start making this more of a feature to do a loan watch thing. But uh, as a second thing, and most importantly for me, I think he needs to stay there for the season and just have an unreal season. But do you think maybe in January he needs to make that step up? Or what would you do with him if if you had the power to kind of make those loan switches and moves? I know, it's, a, it's a tough one because part of you thinks, okay, well, he, he's shown he can do it in League Two. Let's let's see if he can do it in League One. But I, if he's playing regularly there, which he obviously is, and playing well, which he obviously is, I think you may as well just leave him there for the season. Um, you know, he look, he he may he may never make the step up to be able to, to be able to play for in the Premier League. He may well do. Like he's, like you say, he's only he's only twenty, and I think he's not long term twenty either. Like maybe a couple of months ago or something. So, yeah, I'd, I'd just leave him there, and you know, even if if he if he's not going to end up having a, a career at Villa, he could you know we can at least get some decent money for him, you know, decentish money for him at you know a lower league level. But it's, I think the, the most important thing is is that he's playing regularly and playing well, and. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably leave him there for the season, and then you know you can make a make an assessment in the summer. But it's yeah, it's, I'm, I'm I'm pleased with the lads. You know, he seems like a, a nice enough young lad. So yeah, it's just good that he's he's playing regularly and, and doing well. So yeah, I, I'd probably leave him there to be honest. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. And yeah, he just turned twenty in uh, late June. So I mean, realistically, this whole season he's going to be twenty, of course. And yeah. I think people look at that and just I think people have to remember it's not FIFA like you yeah always oh, doing well move him up and then he'll score another 15 goals in a simulator it's I, I think there's too much risk to move him to a side that 
either a promises him game time and then he doesn't get it because that's happened before yeah um, in various reports i think with mk dons and a few other things um and i mean if he scores say like 20 plus goals this season i'm not going to say he is but i mean he's probably on track to at least probably score at least 15 you would imagine right we're only in well of course it's october 1st when we're recording this we're very early in the season and he already has seven um, yeah. there's a lot of football to be played and that's including cup ties and all that kind of stuff I think the exposure he's going to get, I, I think it helps with physicality. He's going to become more of a man as well. Um, looks like there's some good professionals around him too. I I agree. I think you just leave him there. You yeah. end up having an unreal season and then you reassess it. Because who knows, maybe by, I don't know, the start of next season, there's a championship club actually wanting to take a risk on him and maybe just coming up or something like that. And they think that's the right time and they're going to guarantee yeah. time. Realistically, like I said, he's if he scores twenty or whatever it is going into next season, he's going to have so much confidence. Regardless, you pull him out in January, say he's on like twelve goals or something like that, and then he doesn't score for the rest of the season. Then you're just back. Yeah. You're just back where you were, and you're going to have to figure it out or put him back in the same position. So I, I think there has to be that fine line because we've been doing this as a club. With you look at Kessler Hayden as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been loaned out and then moved to another side that hasn't worked out, and hopefully it works out at Plymouth for the rest of the season. Um, it, it has been working for Finnazaz at least. But, yeah. I mean, the way that we're managing this, we have to be so careful because I know Villa want to make money, and it's very important, but we also want to see these players come through or at least have a chance. And, I mean, they're never going to have one if we keep moving them around every six months, especially when they even have one sniff of success. But, Regardless yeah. of that, Simon, I, I think we'll leave things there because I, I did say this was going to be a 30 minute podcast and knowing us, it's probably been closer to 40 minutes. But, you know, even 40 minutes for us roughly is actually pretty good considering how <laughs> we ramble. So we'll leave things there. Thank you very much to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me. Follow him on Twitter at Cy O'Regan. You can file, find me on Twitter, sorry, at Talk. Aston Villa tweet the team at 7500 Holt if you have anything you want to be read out um, on here of course you can email Holtcast at gmail.com if you have any written content you want shared on the website it's 7500 Holt main at gmail.com and of course check out the website www.7500holt.espionation.com most importantly if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far leave a positive review on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you're listening to this subscribe share it with your friends your brothers your sisters your nans your uncles whatever um i'm sure they would love to listen to wise simon's um intellect and wisdom but regardless of that we'll leave it there we should hopefully be back post um who do we play in the <laughs> in the second round i'm, I'm not going to even try to pronounce Zerinsky. um there yeah. we go um i absolutely just buffled baffled that one up um this is a poor poor outro but i'll leave it all in just to show the struggles and don't forget When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.